Normally on this show, we try to give every story their individual spotlight, but in this case, it was necessary to mention these two women together. The cases are not legally connected. The women did not know each other, though they both were reported dead on the same day, in the same city, and in eerily similar fashions. But the main thread that connects them is in the gross mishandling of their cases by the Bridgeport, Connecticut Police Department. I believe sharing these stories side by side is important in reflecting that. And these women and their families deserved better. Here are the stories of Lauren Smithfields and Brenda Rawls. I'm your host, Michael, and this is Strange and Unexplained. Bridgeport is the largest town in the state of Connecticut, with populations around 150,000 people. It's a historical seaport city and it's settled across the waters from Long Island, and it's just a short hop to New York City. On December 12, 2021, police responded to a call about an unconscious black woman who was not breathing. 23-year-old Lauren Smith Fields was found unresponsive, with blood coming from her nose in her own bed. The call to 911 had been placed by a 37-year-old white man named Matt LaFountain. She had met him on a dating app called Bumble. Upon arriving at the scene, the police were informed by the man that he and Lauren had been drinking the night before and had played games before Lauren suddenly became ill. After attempting to carry on with the date as usual, she became ill again. And this time, he carried her to her bed, placing her in it and laying down beside her. He woke around 6.30 a.m. the following morning and found blood coming from Lauren's nostrils. This is when he called for help. Lauren's family attempted to reach her the following day and were unable to. Not assuming the worst, they all went to bed that night thinking that they would speak with her the next day. But upon calling her cell phone numerous times, they were greeted with the familiar beckoning to leave a message. With concern growing in their minds now, Lauren's mother headed over to her house to check on her. Upon arriving, she was greeted by a note taped to the door by Lauren's landlord that read, quote, If you are looking for Lauren Smithfields, please contact me. End quote. It was then that the Smithfields family was informed of her death. It was only after that they had investigated themselves to see what had happened. The family had to actively seek out information. When her brother, Lakeem Jetter, attempted to find out what had happened, the police filled them in on how they had been called to Lauren's house by the Bumble date. Her brother was told that the man gave a written statement and was dismissed without further actions taken, saying, quote, he seemed like a good guy. The officer on the line told them not to worry about him and that it didn't look like that there was any foul play. However, when the family was finally able to enter her home, what they saw told a whole different story. The man had claimed that the pair didn't have intercourse and didn't do drugs that night. They just drank alcohol and played games, according to him. However, when Lauren's family entered her home, they found a used condom, lube, bloody sheets, which had not been collected as evidence, by the way, and a white pill on the nightstand by the bed. All of this, the Bridgeport Police Department failed to collect and for weeks ignored the family as they advocated to have it entered into evidence. It was finally accepted by the police department on the 29th of December, but it has yet to be tested. 
the family is currently crowdfunding in an attempt to hire a private investigator to look into the case. The GoFundMe link for her family is listed in the description of this episode. The families are suing various members of the police department and several city officials for failure to properly investigate and for being racially insensitive and violating their civil rights. As part of their demand, the family is requesting that the acting police chief, Rebecca Garcia, appeal to Mayor Joe Ganim, hoping he will reach out to the U.S. Department of Justice and ask them to take over this case. Recently, the medical examiner announced his findings, concluding that Lauren had died of, quote, an accidental overdose after a cocktail of alcohol, fentanyl, promethazine, and hydroxyzine. They were all found in her blood system. When mixed with alcohol, this concoction becomes a very heavy sedative. Lauren's family said that she was never known to do drugs. She did enjoy drinking socially, but she was not the type to mess with drugs. The family's lawyer, Darnell Crossland, questioned, how can you conclude an accidental overdose without knowing where the drugs came from or how they were ingested by the victim? According to the police department, the statement given by Matt LaFountain that night was that the couple had only known each other for three days but she invited him over for a date. She told him to bring $40 for her to get a manicure and a bottle of tequila. They were doing shots when she got ill and went into the bathroom. She returned minutes later and they resumed the festivities. She then mentions that her brother is stopping by and minutes later goes out to the front door to meet him in his car. She returns a few minutes later and goes straight into the bathroom. She's there for 10 to 15 minutes and then returns to the date. Again, this is the testimony from Matt LaFountain, um, who also has yet to give up a DNA sample for evidence. But when the Smithfields family came into the station demanding that the police take the evidence that they left behind, the investigators attempted to get DNA swabs from Lauren's brothers and her mother. They claimed that they needed to rule them out. The family wisely refused to give their DNA. The two officers who started the investigation on Lauren's case have since been put on administrative leave, pending an internal affairs investigation. But this is not enough. The family say that they will not stop until Lauren's case is reviewed by an outside source, since they've lost their trust in their local police department. The internal investigation is not only locked into the handling of the Smith Fields case, but also another case that was also handled by the same detectives and with the same protocols ignored. As I mentioned in the intro, there's another case that has a striking resemblance to Lawrence. Another black woman, 53-year-old Brenda Lee Rawls, died mysteriously on the very same day in the same precinct and her case was handled by the same detectives. The police failed to notify the family of her death as well. On the night of December 11th, Brenda called her sister Dorothy Washington and told her that she was headed to the house of a man she was acquainted with who lived just down the road from her. On the 12th and 13th, Brenda's family was unable to reach her and by the 14th, they knew something wasn't right. So they decided to walk to the home of the man that she had gone to visit that night. He tells them that Brenda had died on the morning of the 12th. She just had fallen asleep and didn't wake up. The man then proceeds to hand over her clothes and shoes that she had been wearing the day she went to the man's house. 
Why they were in his possession and not locked into police custody is still a mystery. The man has never been charged or named as a person of interest in her case. Brenda's family was never officially notified of her passing, and her cause of death has yet to be determined. At the time of this recording, no charges have been filed against any suspects. The mayor released a full statement regarding the insensitivity from the police department and stated that the Bridgeport Police Department has high standards for officer sensitivity, especially in matters involving the death of a family member. It is an unacceptable failure if policies were not followed. Crossland, the family's attorney, has said that this is a step in the right direction, but only the beginning, stating, quote, the city is liable for the behavior of its police department and its officers. I am pleased that the mayor has accepted that liability publicly and has apologized to this family for the suffering that they have endured. End quote. These cases are both still open and active. There's still a lot to be revealed, and we will try to keep everyone updated as always. We encourage anyone with information regarding either of these incidents to contact either Detective Sergeant Joseph Morales at 203 581 5219 or the Bridgeport Police Tips Line at 203-576-8477. All right, guys, there you have it. There's the case of Lauren and Brenda. I'd like to welcome my wife and writer of Sandu, Kristen, Hi. here with me again, as always. Um... And we, yeah, when we were looking into these cases, we found Lauren's case first, and then we couldn't help but put these two cases together. Yeah. I mean, the similarities, and then you find out the same police department, the same detectives. Yeah. We're investigating mm -hmm. both cases, and in both cases, the last person to be seen with these two women alive was completely just dismissed. Like, he's a good guy, or no big deal. And then... Um, in Brenda's case, the la the man she was last seen with was allowed to keep her clothes. Mm -hmm. He could have washed them. He could, you know what I'm saying? Like, like decontaminated them or whatever in whatever way. How did he get them in the first place? Like, they responded to a 911 call about an unresponsive female. Right. So you would think if they showed up and she was DOA, then they would, you know, they would take her body, right? That makes sense. They wouldn't undress her for whatever reason. So was he given the clothes by the police, by the, you know what I'm saying? Like how Maybe did he she was get found her clothes? Naked, right? That's what I'm saying. And then y'all didn't think that was suspicious? Well, not if they spent the night together and then they woke up together and she's unconscious. And then he has her clothes, but they still but should have taken her things, though. Yeah, like we're not even going to. I feel like the police it. should still have taken their, her things, mm -hmm. right? I, mean, I think once if the they police would have done their job and called the families in the first place, they would have been alerted to the fact that mm -hmm. neither one of these women really knew the men that that had called nine one one. Right. And I think they failed, you know, in failing to do that. It just they like, ruined it. Those two, they ruined everything. Honestly. <laughs> Aside from administering drugs to these girls, which, it, I mean, obviously, if it was against their w knowledge, mm -hmm. obviously, yeah, that's a whole deal right there in itself. Mm -hmm. But just the fact, I don't necessarily think that both, both of these cases are nefarious. 
Maybe one is and the other exactly. one's not. Mm-hmm. It maybe one was just an accidental overdose. But it or doesn't whatever. matter at this point. But it doesn't matter. The yeah. fact what really riles me up about this case is that the men who were last seen with them are not being investigated. Yep. They failed to investigate. They are not being investigated. Their DNA is not being taken. Their nope. apartments are not being searched. It, it, I just don't get it. Yep. They just showed up and I mean, it's terrible, but they saw a, like he said, a nice looking white guy and a dead black girl. And the guy says she's on drugs and he just is like, okay, they write it off. They literally treated Brenda Rollins like a Jane Doe. They didn't even attempt to find her family. Her family had to search her out and find and locate where her body was. Like it's, it's insane. And it's clear how how terrible this police department is and how it's kind of well, clear. Well, at least like these how, two cases, the way they were handled. Oh, absolutely. But that's what I'm saying. Once you dig we don't into know it, about there's the, so much more. There's another they got ca- quite a track record. Oh, yeah. They got a track record. So, yeah. Oh. Well, they're in the spotlight now. Yep. So, Which is what, what they need, though. Like Not the, just from our show. If you, you Google these, look at our sources down below the description of this episode, and you guys, you'll see. Yep. These cases need the attention. They need the pressure. They do. Because it, if not both of them, one of them was murdered. Right. Yeah. Yeah, at least. <laughs> this is, this, women don't just don't fall just, asleep and die. Yeah. Like, that's not how it works, something guys. Something right. I, I do believe, right. like you said, I do believe it's a possibility that maybe one of them, mm-hmm. there was a circumstance where, you know, either drugs was taken and right. that's just unfortunate or maybe a medical emergency actually happened and everybody was unaware of it but yeah i just don't see how both of these women died in the same circumstance i know in the in the same company of men they did not know and then i tend to to lean more towards brenda's not being nefarious just because the man lives so close to them Mm -hmm. other people were aware of him yeah it's like why would you shit that close to home you know that just doesn't make sense. Yeah, but I, I don't think I don't think that one. And then he had her clothes too, and then made contact with the family himself. Yeah. I feel like if he did have anything to do with it, he would be trying to distance himself from them as much yeah. as possible. But I also question I like there are why some sociopaths that like, why didn't he then walk down to the to the home where he knew she lived? You know, knock on the door, see if anybody came and was like, "Hey, she was at my house today." Ooh, I had to call question, the police this morning. When they did get in, t- get in touch with him, yes. he was like, oh, yeah, she died like two days ago. Yeah. Right? Where were oh, you? Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's a big. You know what I'm saying? I feel like if she died in my house, I, even though I know the police are supposed to call her and yeah. I'm assuming they're calling her, I would still feel obligated to walk down there. Yeah, absolutely. And just knock on the door. Especially if, yeah. You knew. And of course. I'm sure that that came up in conversation. Even yeah, if he right. didn't know where her family was, he could have. I'm so sure I that came up. There's not a lot out on her case right now, so it's like I don't even know what the the actual relationship was. I don't know if they were just friends or right. if they were. She spent the night or what? Yeah, the there deal is very is. little like, information on Brenda. That's what makes it so suspicious. Like mm-hmm. so little information. And I'm like, how do you show up anywhere with a dead person and just assume? Oh, this is natural. Like this is fine. 
Right. Like, I feel like, no, your natural instinct should be, okay, we need to figure out what happened. Yeah. That should be the first thing in your head. And if, as a detective, you're not showing up that way, your ass needs to be fired. <laughs> like, bottom line, yeah. that's your job. Right. And they didn't even bother, like, to Every me, death that's has just... to be investigated. This is yeah, insane. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Um, also, speaking of Brenda's case... In uh, full disclosure, we did not notify Lauren that Brenda was going to be included in this episode. Um, for one, it was kind of a last-minute audible. Yeah. <laughs> and we were, because for so long, we were like, gosh, there's just not enough information. And we were, we're like, you know, whatever. Let's just share what we can find, mm-hmm. and we'll, you know, make it a two a, a dual-part episode. So in Lauren's synopsis this week, he will only be referring to Lauren's case. So you got anything else, babe? All right. I mean, as it unfolds, hopefully we will. Yes, this is still very recent. It yes, just happened this just past happened. December. Yes. So, but it needs the attention. So, indeed, indeed. All right. Well, with that, we'll pass it over to you, Lauren, and we'll see you guys on the other side of the Lauren synopsis. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren synopsis. Breaking down the case like. Break it down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren synopsis. Break it down the case like. Break it down the case like cardboard boxes. What's up, people? Lauren here. Here to get my thoughts on this week's strange and unexplained. The death of 23-year-old Lauren Smith Fields from Bridgeport, Connecticut, who on December 11th, 2021, went on a first date with a man on Bumble, the dating app. They had been speaking uh, for about three days over the app, and she ultimately felt uh, comfortable enough with him to invite him to her apartment, where they had a night of drinking, apparently. Um, they hit it off, it seems, and were doing shots of tequila. Um, according to this man, uh, they had done some shots, and at some point she had gotten sick, gone to the bathroom, come back out, continued to do shots. Um, at one point, her brother showed up to the apartment, um, at which point after that, he says that she went back to the bathroom for a little bit before returning. Um, It seems as though at some point they had sex because there was a condom found by her family later on. But unfortunately, by the next morning, uh, December 12th, um, she was was gone. Uh, Lauren Smith-Fields had passed away of an apparent accidental overdose of a combined... A uh, set of alcohol and drugs, fentanyl included, which we know has become a very serious issue um, in this country. So many overdoses linked to fentanyl, which gets laced into things. Um, a lot of times it gets cut into cocaine, cocaine, and it is a very deadly drug, especially in uh, conjunction with other substances. In Connecticut alone, in 2021, there was over 1,400 overdoses which was a shocking number for me to see. It's so sad, so many lives gone too soon. But in the case of Lauren Smith-Fields, her family feels as though there may be foul play here, and I don't blame them for feeling that way. And they're very upset at the police department in Bridgeport because they weren't notified of Lauren's death until after, you know, over 24 hours. And that was only after they went on a hunt for her because she wasn't responding and went to her apartment and found a note um, 
from the landlord, I believe, who gave them the number to the detectives. So the detectives, the police department did not go out of their way to find this young lady's family and notify them of her death, which is so wrong. You have to wonder, you know, if they ever stop and think to themselves, like, what if this was my daughter? How would I want this, you know, how would I want this to be uh, followed up on? You know, obviously you'd want immediate contact and you'd want a full investigation of your daughter's death. Um, there was a man that she had just met that was at her apartment and by the next morning she was gone. Now, could it have been uh, an accidental overdose? Yes, of course it happens all the time. Good people pass away from overdoses all the time. Um, and it doesn't even necessarily mean that they are drug addict or anything like that. Sometimes just one party, any of us could have, you know, had one night where we took the wrong thing mixed with the wrong thing. I've had friends overdose and pass away um, situations like this. So it's very possible that that is what happened, but it's also very possible that this, uh, this man that she invited over had something to do with it. Um, you know, it's very possible that, that he was sexually motivated and maybe she turned him down and, you know, he used a cocktail of drugs that he brought with him. That's, that's always a possibility that should have been considered and needs to be investigated, uh, to the full extent. And, what it sounds like, uh, you know, the family of Lauren Smithfield says that the police told, or I think I believe it was her brother that talked to the detective and the detective basically wrote it off as, you know, he seemed like a nice guy. And so we're not going to really investigate him, which that makes no sense to me. You know, you just, how long did you talk to this guy? He was able to win you over that quickly as a detective. Uh, and make you believe that he was a nice guy and that he had nothing to do with this. Like he needs to be sat down and talked to and see if you can get a full story out of him and what happened, you know, what all happened that night? Who, where did she get these substances from? Was it you that brought them? Um, did she have them? Like, where did they come from? Like all these things need to be hashed out, um, in order to, to be sure of the fact that it was an accidental overdose and he had nothing to do with it. And of course the family, I believe is uh, filing a lawsuit against the police department for the fact that, um, you know, they weren't notified immediately. You can imagine having to find out that way that your, your daughter, your sister, your niece, whatever, um, had passed away. You know, you had to go out of your way to become a detective, which is what they're supposed to be doing just to find out, um, that your loved one had passed away. Um, that's wrong. Um, and it needs to be cleaned up. And there's a lot of, you know, a lot of people wondering if it had something to do with race, had this been a young white woman, would it have been, uh, treated the same way? And it's a fair question. So, yeah, I think there was a lot wrong. I think that, uh, pressure from social media, um, podcasts like this, uh, news outlets is, uh, forcing this police department in Bridgeport to give answers and to do a proper investigation as they should. Um, so I think that's always good. So hopefully more information comes to light because it's still very fresh and new, um, but they are being pushed. There's pressure on them. And that's a good thing because uh, the way they went about this does not seem right to me. So yeah, that's my thoughts. Hope you guys enjoyed it. See you next time. All right, Lauren, thank you for that synopsis as always, sir. Very well put, very well put. More investigation needs to be done. We're not we're not trying to point fingers or blame. We're just saying the normal procedures should be followed here. That's it. 
So, guys, we hope you enjoyed the retelling of this episode. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed learning this knowledge. And if you want to know more, if you'd like to check out our sources, as always, check out the links right below the description of this episode. Just scroll up on wherever you're listening. And if you're listening on Spotify, could you uh, scroll back to the top and hit five stars on this podcast? Because now you can rate podcast on Spotify. If you didn't know that, it's a great way to help podcasts you like uh, get promoted on Spotify and, you know, helps other listeners as well. If you're listening on iTunes and you leave a review, um, I will give you a shout out on the show as well. Or you can just click five stars and hit that follow button on Spotify and iTunes, obviously. Uh, guys, another great way to help the show is patreon.com slash podcast, where we are constantly uploading new content every week. Starting with every Monday, you get access to a whole other show called Strange Shorts, where I sit down with my friend Andy and we talk about strange and current things in the world of crime and, and you know, Florida man stuff, basically. Uh... <laughs> But we also, once a month, put out some quality content as well called Sandu Stories. If you guys are not familiar, the first three chapters are available on this platform. And I believe there's a couple random chapters available on the True Crime Guys platform if you want to check those out as well. But this month, next week actually, will be chapter 14 of Sandu Stories. And Sandu Stories is basically like a... Uh, fully produced audio play, if you will, where we create scenes, we create, you know, background sounds and ambience, almost ASMR with different character voices and different parts. Um, and it all comes together. We just want to make something that's fun to listen to, like an, an audio escape, if you will. And that's Sandu Stories, and we release a new one every single month. Again, that's patreon.com slash podcast. And I want to give a shout out to a new patron that joined this month. Uh, meet Crystal Telez. Crystal Telez, thank you so much. Jumped on at the $5 tier. So you'll have access to Sandu stories as well as Strange Shorts every single Monday. And not to mention, there's 60-something episodes of Strange Shorts already on the Patreon platform. As well as all 13 Sandu stories. So... It's quite a bit of content for five bucks a month, guys. And you can also sign on and as a yearly subscription as well, and you get a 10% discount. All right. All right, guys. I'm done rambling. I appreciate everything. Please go check out the True Crime Guys link tree. Link below in the descriptions. And that's everything we have to offer. Everything we got going on in the productions. You know what I'm saying? All right, guys. I'm out of here. I'll see you guys next week. Oh, no, I won't. I will uh, see you guys for Strange Shorts next week here on the free platform and a new Sandu Stories on Patreon. All right, guys. Be strange. Just don't be strangers. You hush your mouth, boy.